Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to the Samurai Brothers podcast. Episode 25, Matthew. We've made it this far. Yep, we made it to the big 25. Big 25. So, um, normally we might have something planned, but, uh, you know, life life goes on and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things happening. So, we're going to, you know, we're going to take it easy a bit. And, uh, Matthew, though, we still, still have a loaded episode. So, um We'll try and get this all sorted out. So, Matthew, uh, the UFC had their events, so I'm sure that you want to talk about that. And there seem to be a lot of snafus going on with that. So we'll, yep. uh, you'll be able to provide more information about that. So UFC 279. And then uh, the big event finally happened, and I participated in the U.S. Sumo Open 2022. We'll talk a little bit more so about that. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then uh, the new chapter of One Piece came out this uh, this weekend. So we're going to get into it. There was quite some reveals going on. And Matthew, I think, so. you know, there were some fan theories that had gone out that ended up being true. Uh, and we've got new bounties that have been revealed as well. So this is going to be pretty exciting and some new revelations as to some past events. So I think that's going to be interesting also. Anyway, so let's get started, shall we? All righty. So as we're going along, Matthew, UFC 279. Now, this was billed as Diaz versus Chimaev. However, some things happened, and... Um, when I last saw it, Friday night, uh, somehow the event name changed. Matthew, can you walk us through that really quick? Okay, so what happened was it was supposed to be a welterweight bout between Nate Diaz and Rising, who's, you know, an established star, and Kamzat Chimaev, who is a uh, up-and-comer. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happened was apparently the doctor... Um, was concerned about Chimaev's health, so he basically told him to stop cutting weight. So, on on health recommendations, Chimaev stopped cutting weight and stopped at, like, 178. Welterweight is 170. So Diaz made weight, but what happened was, I'm not sure if, I don't think, I'm not sure who was supposed to face who, but what happened was they reshuffled it. So Tony Ferguson, who's normally a lightweight, I guess he was, he was either going to fight someone else or was far enough down in weight to where um, he stepped up and to face uh, Diaz at welterweight. And Kevin Holland, with whom um, Chimaev had was already having a beef with, mm. um, <clears throat> uh, 
was also agreed to step in and face um, Chimaev at a catch weight of 180. So originally, then Holland and Ferguson would have fought. I I'm still trying. I wish I'd spent more time paying attention to the um, fight card leading up to it to figure out who was supposed to face who. And yeah, um, I'm looking at the website right now for the official um, the official fight. Um, but it's only showing the the updated version. It's not, you know, obviously it's not going to show who was, you know, um, originally the the original fights. Okay, uh, Tony Ferguson was originally scheduled to face uh, Lee Jin Liang in a welterweight bout. I think he still fought. Yeah, he ended up fighting uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Oh, that's why the catchweight was... That's why that catchweight was reshuffled. I'm pretty sure that they did Rodriguez miss. So that was that was a lot of. Uh... Okay, Kevin Holland was supposed supposed to face Daniel Rodriguez at a catchweight, so they're already planning on that. Uh huh. Chimaev was not fine due to the new booking. Rodriguez. That's because, that, that's because he was medically stopped. He was not. Yeah, right? I mean, if if you if you contractually did not catch the weight, um, then you know that would have been something else. But so yeah, he said that he, he said that he felt that he could have made the weight if he'd been allowed to continue uh, weight cutting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, so yeah, Nate. Uh, so Ferguson was gonna go up and wait anyways. Okay, um, and face Lee uh, Jin Lang, and then Rodriguez and Holland were gonna fight at a catch weight. So mm-hmm. Jin Lang was reshuffled to fight Rodriguez, and Holland was reshuffled to fight Chimaev, and. Uh, Ferguson was reshuffled to fight Diaz. So three different fights were reshuffled. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so Matthew, how much how much of the of the fights were you able to to watch? Uh, I was able to f- watch all of them. Uh, all of the. Um, all of the. Um, ESPN uh, to pay-per-view prelims. I was able to watch all of those. Okay. So let's, let's, yeah, but just to check back, um, let's see. There were a few other missed weights. Let's see. Um, Yes, I think we saw a third catch weight. Let's see. Irene Aldana was supposed. I think they were supposed to. I think she and um, oh, what's it called? Um, Irene Aldana and Macy. Uh, I think is this 
Let's see. It was, let's see. Uh, it was it was supposed to be a bantamweight fight, mm-hmm. um, but according to source to the uh, news, it was changed to a catchweight, not due to a um, weight miss. Oh, okay. So there were an extenuating circumstances. How? Uh, let's see. Now, let's see. Was this 220 catch weight? Was that related to... I'm not sure if that was related. Oh, yeah, there, another there, was, one. there was another reshuffle, and that was resh- that was um, reshuffled. Um, that was made a catch weight due to uh, a late replacement. So what happened was, yeah. Um, yeah, this has to be a record for the number of catch weights. Um, other misses were actually due to um, uh, weight misses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, Hakeem Dewadu missed weight, which is why that fight was fought at one forty nine point five when it was supposed to be featherweight. And uh, Chris Barnett missed weight against Jank Collier at heavyweight. Wow. And and these are not like big muscular heavyweights everywhere. I mean, either. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. These guys are fat. Mm -hmm. They, They have no reason why they should be missing heavyweight of all things. Interesting. So, Matthew, uh, let's let's put it into perspective then. So, um, looks like this this heavyweight catchweight bout did uh, end with a knockout, uh, Chris Barnett. Um, but the guy uh, missed weight. But he missed weight, so he had to forfeit uh, part of his purse. Yeah. Um, so he he got that in there, and then you had in the middleweight bout, uh, Dennis Tulyulin from Russia. Uh, got a knockout over Jamie Pickett, uh, and that also came in the second round. Uh, I, uh, they they did note that um, Tuliulin uh, had a point deducted due to groin, sh- sh- uh, two different groin shots, and I saw those. That that was definitely a case of you know, movement happens, and what you're. You know, you're aiming towards either the midsection or the thigh, and you mm-hmm. know the guy moving results in a cup hit. Mm. And then, um, but it just turned on a fire on him, and he was just like, "Okay, I need to finish this guy. I don't want to give away a round." So, hmm. Um, Jelton Almeida performance of the night uh, with a submission over Anton um, Turkal. And then uh, you had Hakeem Dewadu versus Julian Arosa, with Arosa getting a unanimous decision win. I really like those fights when the missed the the missed weight guy loses. Mm. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's yeah, it happens. Yeah, but it shouldn't happen. Too many times. No, it it shouldn't. It really should not. No. So anyway. So all right. And then the main card. So the first of the 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 really it was the only 
match that I guess was unaffected, right? Which was the first match on the main card, the light heavyweight bout. And yeah, was it eight. was unaffected by anything that was happening. So Johnny Walker scored a submission win over uh, Ion Kutalaba from Moldova. Yep. So uh, Matthew, uh, how did this round seem to go? Was it a really was it dominant? Was it kind of equal for? It, it for- was pretty dominant. Walker went in there. He did he did takedowns and he did ground and pound. And you know it's you know when you do that, that's what eventually leads to the um, the uh, that's what eventually leads to the. Um, the setup where you know, yeah, if the guy's on his back and he's taking shots, he eventually rolls over, and that's what eventually leads to the um to the the uh, submission, the rear naked choke. All right, and then we had uh, then the first catchweight bout of of the main card, and uh, Irene Aldana scoring a knockout over Macy uh, Chieson. Uh, and this was uh, at 2.21 in the third round. So when you were watching this, uh, did it seem equal or are, did we have split rounds being taken here? I feel like it was a, it was a split. I, I, I'm trying to remember who took one and who took the other. But it was, it was not um, – or the chess on – win both rounds she um i feel like aldana with the striking was able to win the first round the second round was chasson with the grappling Mm -hmm. and the third round was going chasson with the grappling until aldana got the hit in yeah from her back heel kick to the liver oh Okay. It, yeah, it 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 has to be one of the most impressive knockouts from the person's back. She it's like yeah, she was she was on her back. Ch- uh Chasun was standing up and um it looked like a like a from the back axe kick, but yeah, she threw a heel kick and it just delivered just right and one thing to remember you hit the liver um just right then you know the liver can take a lot of punishment but it's like if you hit a person just right it's not gonna function for a second just everything shuts down everything on you shuts down yeah yeah and then yeah so it's just just like she it's yeah it chasun um just crumpled to the ground from the standing position and um the ref just went in and waved it off. Irene like started to get up, but didn't you know follow up or anything like that. So it was, it was, yeah. It's it's rare to see a finish from the back. Well, to my understanding, I mean, I've only, um, I think someone had posted a uh, a highlight uh, reel, and uh, I think that was one match where. Um, one guy delivered two nasty kicks to his opponent's chin, and he was basically done. And you could hear the kick connecting, but I think that, you know, he had the mouthpiece in there, so he didn't have the mouthpiece, man. He'd probably be missing a lot of teeth. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was another fight that he 
the the fighter got the kicks in and it wobbled the other guy to then he started he got up and started doing some ground and pound to finish it so to my knowledge there was only one actual ko with a you know from from the bottom yeah this was this was more of a tko but yeah there's a but it's oh, yeah and I, yeah an actual finish right from the bottom it doesn't the action doesn't continue after the hit So that's that's interesting how that that went down then. Um, so then uh, our second catchweight bout uh, looks like the Daniel Rodriguez got the he got a split decision win over uh, Li Jingliang, and um, so you know it it seems like this fight kind of you know it went the distance obviously, but then it seems like you know one judge saw it one way and the other judge saw it the other way. The second round was the close um, decision. Maker. Yeah, the close decision. Mm-hmm. Like that went one way or the other. Right. Hmm. They probably could have called that five of the night. I don't know why they didn't give a five of the night. But they probably, but they probably took that money and just gave it to the four uh, finishers. Is what happened. Mm, okay. Yeah, because I think we also have. Yeah, if I'm looking over the card, there were four performance of the nights awarded. Yeah, so what'll happen is if you don't have um, any uh, fight of the nights, they'll take that those those bonuses and give them to they'll redistribute well, the performance. Because I think the a performance of the night is usually uh, 50 k, right? Right. And then a fight of the night is 100K. Is that correct? No, it's 50K. Oh. It's 50K to each fighter. Okay, yeah. Performance of the night will go to... Both fighters, yeah. Is that... No, no, no. Fight of the night goes to both fighters, but a performance of the night goes to one fighter. Right, right? goes to the winner. Right, goes to the winner. Okay. So, with that being said, then you got into the co-main event, which was Kamzat uh, Chimaya versus Kevin Holland. So, Matthew, um, can you run some history into this beef that's been going on between the two? My understanding is it started this weekend. They they basically were throwing <laughs> stuff at each other and, and squabbling um, um, on... Oh, that's a... Uh, on uh, media day and then weigh-in day. That's a pretty pretty quick uh, beef to start there. Yeah, um, I'm gonna note uh, these two guys. I don't know if I'd like to say maybe in um, maybe other um, publications it might have been this case as well. But for MMA freak at least, these two guys the past two years have been consecutive um, uh, breakout fighters of the year. Mm. I'd like to say Chimaya uh, Holland might have been last year, and Chimaya might have been the year before. It was, it was either way. It was these two guys. You know what? I have my notes right here from last year, so there's an easy way to figure this out. So I mean, looking at it though, the the fact is is that uh, I mean Chimaya pretty much went in and finished uh, Holland pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, submission and you know. 
not even halfway through the first round, so he must have got something in good, right? Yeah. Oh, you know what? Chimaev was last. I'm getting my ears mixed up. Uh, Chimaev was 2020, and uh, Holland was uh, 2019. I got I got a little off, but yeah, these. Well, yeah, what happened was Chimaev is a wrestler, so mm. he went in and he. You know, uh, Holland is more of a stand-up fighter, so um, he went in there and uh, wrestle, 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 ground and pound, wrestle, 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 and yeah, I don't. And eventually, he got that uh, that um, Darce choke, and it was it was funny because as he was saying up, I was thinking, you know, at certain angles, it looks like it would be better as a. Um, guillotine but you know he he just kept with it and didn't didn't burn himself out the problem with a with a choke especially like a guillotine choke is that if you if you keep doing it for too long eventually your arms are going to burn out because you're using so much muscle whereas um something like a darce choke if you're a little bit smarter with how you do it Mm-hmm. It's not going to burn out a- as much. That's 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 a general problem yeah. with submissions in general. I'm I'm <laughs> looking at the stats, and there was not not a lot happened. At least what you would see, you know, Shamayev landed a strike. He attempted five takedowns, in which he scored two, and then he did you know two submission attempts. So, uh, looking at it the was stats, all grappling, right. That's the thing. Chimaev is smart enough because he he's finished. If you look at his record, he has plenty of finishes by by you know knockout TKO. So he has the power, but he knows his strengths and his weaknesses, and he knew that Kevin Holland was a better striker, so he took it to the ground. Now, how he would have done that with Nate Diaz, I have no idea because of course Nate is good on you know on both areas. He's he's got he has a legitimate pro boxing record, and he's also got um. You know, and he's a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he has cardio for days. He does triathlons on his, you know, on his own. So, I it would have been interesting to see because Chimaev does have, a, like I said, he's got the power. He has a striking background. His specialties in wrestling. So it would have been interesting to see how that fight would have gone. But either way, well, hopefully, maybe uh, he can. Do his weight cutting a little bit better. There's then... talks about because he's a big guy for a welterweight. Of note, Kevin Holland also uh, has fought at welterweight before. So it's some people are suggesting maybe he should just consider going up to middleweight. And I see him winning if everything else goes right. He could win the belt at either weight class. I really do think he has what it takes to take out um, Israel Adesanya, which I do not take lightly. Because Israel Adesanya is a very gifted guy. Mm. Um, and Leon Edwards has yet to solidify himself as champ. He just beat Cameron Usman mm. in a fight that he was losing. So, but again, Chimaev has... I think Chimaev could have beat in his prime Usman. I, I think he's that good. So... We're just going to have to wait and see what happens, whether he, he decides to actually try to smartly cut weight because Khabib, remember, he had weight issues too, but he eventually became champion. So, Well, Matthew, the main event 
Uh, and this one, this one was on its way to going the distance. Uh, Nate Diaz did get the submission over Tony Ferguson. And uh, have these two fought before? I mean, you know, because I remember, wa- you know, watching Tony Ferguson fights when we would go to, you know, go out and go watch the fights together. This is an interesting thing because this is one of those things where they've kind of been swimming in the same pond and... Um, you know, Nate's bounced up between welterweight and right. lightweight, and Tony has, for the most part, been at lightweight. This is one of his few ventures up to welterweight. Um, so it really did, you know, they've they've been circling the pond, but they've never gone head to head, and you know, mm-hmm. it finally happened. Um. El Kukui had his moments, but I felt like Nate was kind of already controlling the round for the the most part up until um, he was that the finishing sequence where um, he was able to. Uh... And the thing with Nate is he isn't the, he because he's a um, older school BJJ guy. He's not the type of guy who will initiate a takedown. He's more the type of guy who will try to work off, um, either work off his back or if the opportunity comes where he knocks the guy down, he'll go in. And if he sees a submission, then he'll go for the submission. This is what this is the situation uh, that happened here. Mm-hmm. But uh, what what happened was they they went into a grappling exchange pretty much and. Uh, Nate was able to to secure the submission, and uh, he pulled it off. Of note, Brother Nick was in his corner. Right. And I don't know if this is because maybe his contract has expired or maybe because he just wants to take the time off, but he's been saying that he wants to try other ventures, and he hinted towards maybe making a run towards boxing. Hmm. Interesting. Which, like I said, he's got a legit... I, well, I, I keep saying one of the Diaz brothers has a legit boxing record. I'd like to say both of them, but I might be wrong. Uh, okay, I was wrong. Um, it's got to be Nick then who has the legit boxing record. Yes, I think so because I'm I'm looking up the two because I was trying to remember which one fought um, Anderson Silva. Um, uh, Nick. Yeah. Nick's slightly bigger to the point where um, he can comfortably fight at middleweight. Right. Where it kind of it kind of made more sense. Right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's that's interesting. So anyway, but yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting that um, they hadn't fought before. Yeah, you'd think that two fighters like that would... Yeah, that have been around for, yeah, you know, quite yeah, a while. They've, they've been around for, uh, like, um, Nate's... I think they've both been around in the UFC for decades. Nate's been here longer than that. So uh, they're both Ultimate Fighter alumni. Um, both won the show. So you'd think that would, being around as long as they would have, that they would have eventually have fought. But that just wasn't the case yeah so anyway that's interesting so matthew what are we looking at for you know possible upcoming you know ufc events uh in terms of the results of this fight card or are you talk about next week 
I think just in general, you know, how are we looking in terms of, of you know, because I think uh, they've been trying to, because we don't have a, we don't have a next actual pay-per-view until you know, oh, late okay. October. Oh, yeah. Um, well, let's see. Uh, San Hagen versus Song. I believe Song Yadong is another Chinese guy. Um, this is another one of those fight cards where, you know, it's a mix of some established people trying to kind of build themselves up versus uh, mm-hmm. mostly up-and-comers. Yeah, that's they've got I, quite a few, and, that, and I'm, I'm looking. I'm, well, that's 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 the point of the fight nights is to, you know, get some veterans who kind of need um, uh, to you know, kind of need to go in there and the uh, the up and comers uh, opportunities to you know to fight each other. That's the whole. That's I'm, pretty much the point of the of the fight nights. Yeah, I'm noticing also that the fight nights are at the apex. Yeah, they're just playing it safe because, you know, things could change. We're still technically in the pandemic. Things could change in the snap of a finger. So <laughs> I think they just like to play it safe because they it's like they spend a whole lot of time in the apex. It's a, it's a secure venue. They could just, you know, do behind, you know, closed door, a uh, closed door event if they have to. So um, and they don't have to pay any kind of overhead. So, uh, aside, you know, they're already paying for the building, so, you know, they don't have to pay in case, you know, anything goes on. So, that's kind of the point of the, um, you know, point of the stuff at the Apex is that it's just, you know, it's 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 secure, it's stable, and, you know, it's, you know, like I said, if they had to go close doors, they, they, you know, that's just what they would do. So, that's kind of, I think it's just... You know, they're just playing it safe. Occasionally, you have a UFC on ESPN or a fight night go to a, a more secure um, market. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where, it's you know, they just play it safe. All right. Well, let's close out then the UFC 279 review. Um, just uh, one thing before we do go. Um, I did see on Instagram. So, Carlos Arana, who is a... Uh, former, he's an alumni of Santa Ana College, and uh, he actually made the finals his sophomore year. So he was an All-American under Coach Silva, and he was actually, I'm, I'm looking at the picture he posted. He was actually one of the, the people in Irene, um, Irene Aldana's corner. So you know the picture and everything. So Matthew, I think if you would have seen the. Uh, if you would have seen them taking pictures and stuff, he would have been the person on the on the far right. So, okay. well, Aldana, I I forget where she does her training, but you know she's me- she's literally a Mexican fighter. She's from Mexico. Yeah. Um, most of her training, I think she does in um uh, um. Is it San Diego? It does. It, I think it's done somewhere in the USA. I'd like to say San Diego. I might yeah. be wrong. So um, anyway, you know, a funny thing about Irene Aldana, I've always referred to her both in my head and in some other um, stuff as the Warrior Queen, even though that's not what you know her official name. Because she, she just to me remind. It's like to me that looks like what, like to me she's like the personification, like the balance of beauty and like. You know, like, 
Yeah, the balance of like beauty and uh, like you know fighting strength or whatever you want to say it. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, shout out to Carlos Goku Arana. You know, great job for uh, somehow getting into the UFC. You know, uh, being in Irene's corner. So hey, I had a teammate who was um. Uh, I had a teammate who was also in um, a corner. Uh, mm-hmm. Jake Thornton at one point was Tyrone Woolley's boxing coach because mm. he he did MMA, he did boxing, and then he was on the wrestling team for for um, I forget how many years. I felt like it was okay. two. All right, and he kind of. He, he was one of several guys who knew that, you know, I had crushes on some of the um, the ladies of the wrestling team, so he would kind of tease me about that. All right. Well, Matthew, let's get into the big event that happened for me over this weekend. Shall we get into it? Uh, the U.S. Sumo Open 2022. So... Matthew, uh, let me see here. So, yeah, weigh-ins were Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday night. So I went on on Friday and then got a little bit of some exercise in uh, and stuff. And uh, it was at Long Beach State, uh, the Walter Pyramid. And uh, suppose it's it's been there for, except for the two years of, you know, the pandemic that's been going on. Uh, it's pretty much been there at the Pyramid. Didn't they hold it at, like, a dojo during the, those two years? So, yeah, I think the 2020, they held it at a at a, at a dojo, and it obviously was, the attendance was uh, way smaller than um, normal. They so, had attendance? No, they, it was, it was closed door. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, because. Yeah, it was, it was a closed door event in 2020. Um, and then in 2021, they held it at a at um i think what was the it was held at a budokan in little tokyo uh-huh let me what was the uh yeah it was at so for yeah 2021 terasaki budokan which was in little tokyo i didn't know there there any budokans in um yeah the u.s yeah so anyway um i think about there were about 50 wrestlers that uh came out to compete and then as uh you know you're probably aware there were there was you know quite a few there were a few countries uh you had wrestlers from mongolia you had uh, an egyptian team there uh you had a team from poland and then you had individual uh, competitors from places like New Zealand. Uh, you had also, um, where was it? Japan, uh, Hungary, and uh, Puerto Rico. So you know a lot of a lot of uh, here and there. You know, so that was interesting. And uh, as you know, I did compete, and uh, you know, you got to how much? You know, what did you what did you think watching? Uh, you know how the events were unfolding uh, on the live stream. Um, and we'll get to my wrestling shortly, but just how I, everything was. I going. was very interested about the the lightweights who. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I don't. I don't, I'm. Um, 
I don't know if I told you this, but um, I'm actually talking with a friend about forming a club. And uh, we'd kind of, I looked at the Orange County, I don't know if we've talked about it on this podcast, but um, I looked at the Orange County um, Sumo Club and I kind of thought, you know, I think it'd be a good idea to model it after that. And then I looked in, because um, USA Sumo was, is actually a private company, but I looked at, um, I guess it would be the equivalent of like Matman for mm-hmm. wrestling where it's kind of you know exclusive to that sport but um, I looked at uh, um, I went to the USA uh, the US uh, Sumo Federation website and they said that if you have three registered members mm-hmm. um, in your club you could register it as an cl- official club which as I recall looking at like um, like, not even your gym is registered. The one that you go to in Torrance, it's not registered so, as a club. So, yeah, no, well, no, not not that gym specific, the, 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 you're talking about the venue that we, that they use, right? Yeah. Because the Yama, Yama Dojo is, is supposed to be the, is supposed to be the, the club, and, okay. um, you Well, know, that's not registered either, but then again, um. The the uh, the calendar year starts in September, so maybe it just hasn't, you know, maybe the registration just hasn't gone through. Maybe uh, I know that. So I I know one thing is is that um, so if you're saying that it the their calendar year is starting in September, and I think actually you know for most sports that seems to be around September seems to be around that time, probably to coincide with the school year. Is. Well, yeah, because yeah, with USA Wrestling, the the membership starts and ends in September. Right, because I I was trying to I was trying to see if I couldn't do like some early registration because I think what I'm wanting to do with USA Wrestling is to try and I probably will sign up as an official because I'd like to you know that way I can get into some events. But then I'd also like to sign up as a as a wrestler too, so that I can participate in some of those as well. Can you do both? Yes, you can do both. I think you can do both. So you might be, you know, and depending on how things are going, you know, you might be able to. I, not necessarily for USA Wrestling, but you know, maybe if the opportunity does present itself later down the line, that might be something to consider. I don't know, cause it's it's like you know, um. And I still need to talk to, um, you know, um, the the West Hills because, like I said, they're trying to create a training center and stuff like that. But it's just, you know, so far it's just there's just so there's not a whole lot of wrestling for, as we said, for essentially for the masters category, which is what we fall under around here. There's more opportunities for you in Southern California because you're in an area where there's just a lot more wrestling. The only wrestling in my area is in Fresno. I, I know, and I know for a fact, because, like, one of the uh, fighters, one of the more notable fighters in, um, uh, you know, in the 559 fights, which I go to on a regular basis and I cover for MMA Freak, um, one of the fighters fights out of a wrestling gym. So if I want to go, you know, like half an hour or like 45 minutes to an hour drive up to Fresno, I could do that. But, you know, gas is high right now. It's, you know, yep. and I'm about to start a new job, which, 
you know, there's oh. just there's just a little too much with that regards. But here's the thing with sumo is, you know, I could start it anywhere. Yeah. And uh, you like, don't like and you, you don't like, and like I, yeah, like I like I said, I looked at the um the what's it called? I looked at the um you know, I looked up all the things with um with you know US Sumo Federation and stuff like that. It's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It, it's just generally all around a lot easier to to register something with USA Sumo. It, you don't even need a solid venue in order to register your club. You yeah. just need your your individual memberships, and you you uh, you know, and you need an area. There there's not a whole lot that needs to be done in terms of registering with you you as the you know your club with you, the U.S. Sumo Federation. Well, and and to practice, I mean. You technically don't even need an actual dojo to practice. I mean, yeah, it like helps. The, yeah, like the like the U.S. Sumo Club, they they practice in parks on the beach. It's just you know. Oh yeah, in Orange County. Yeah, I I I I've, I've I visited their IG, uh, you know, and I've seen them how that's how they set it up uh, and stuff. Yeah, which is interesting. Um. Anyway, but um, I, you know, I've um, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start looking at MMA gyms and um, I'm gonna look at MMA gyms and um, uh, martial arts gyms, which actually there's a decent number of them around here. Oh well, yeah, I mean those are those I'm are gonna, I'm, prevalent. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start talking to them about you know maybe negotiating something, uh, some kind of a deal. Yeah, like renting for an hour or something. Yeah, something like that. I, I I don't know if that's what your the that's, the that's what they that's that's what they do. That's what Yama Dojo does. Yes. Okay. Oh, so Yama actually is in charge. Yama and then Andrew, who's the director of of the U.S. Sumo Open. Yeah, they they work together and they they rent from the current venue. Have we have we talked about Yama on uh, on this um Instagram uh, on this podcast yet? Oh, uh, we haven't talked a whole lot about Yama yet. Yeah, well, why don't you you mention that? Because he was also at the... Yes, he was at the event. I'm sure you saw him, right? And uh, Yama, Yama, who, when he was in pro sumo, was Yamamoto Yama. So, uh, you know, and uh, he he was on record the heaviest Japanese sumo wrestler. Uh, And I think to date also, because... Funniest thing is that the heaviest pro rest, pro sumo wrestlers have all been non-Japanese. Foreign. Yeah, that that we well, like for example the heaviest top division Konishiki is Samoan and he came from Hawaii. Right, the and heavy, I think he heavy. took the scales at six twenty six, and then you had Aurora who was from Russia six hundred and. Gosh, I don't know. He weighed he weighed a lot. And of course, the heaviest amateur is the late Emmanuel Yarborough, tipping he the was, scale at eight hundred pounds. Yeah, the heaviest recorded athlete on record. But you know, the fact he was able to do the shiko and stuff, you know, the leg lifting, he was able to do that. There's videos of him doing that. The, yeah, he just he just had it's like he just had a freakish like 
body structure in which he was somehow able to hold all that weight and still be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, so the heaviest heaviest athlete. And let's be honest, the Big Show does not count. He's a pro wrestler. I don't care if at his heaviest he was 800 pounds. Like, no, you are not you are not an athlete. You're a performer. You've never done any kind of athletic competition. Did he? No, Big Show? No, I don't think Big Show ever got to 800 pounds, did he? He had one, at his heaviest, he was, I think, towards 800 pounds. Really? Yeah, but... He must uh he must have, like, let well, go. He was, tall, he was taller than Emmanuel Yarborough. Well, right? yeah, he... Big Show's a tall guy, but I didn't... I, I think the heaviest I'd ever... Heard him being at was like 500 and something. I, I might be wrong. I'm, I I might be wrong. Might. I know that at one point they were calling him the heavy, like they were calling him the heaviest active athlete, and that was when Emmanuel Yarbrough was still alive. Mm-hmm. But Emmanuel Yarbrough, tur- towards the end, I think he lost because he floated between 600 and 800 pounds. At his heaviest, he was 800 pounds. Right. But I think he'd lost some weight towards the end. I mean, it still, it, it sadly still killed him, but I think towards the end, he'd lost a couple hundred pounds. Well, because let me see here. Um, yeah, because... Uh, big show... Now with AEW. Yeah, see the 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 heaviest Big Show got billed at was five hundred pounds. Okay, well maybe at the time they just called him the the heaviest yeah. active. But he's he was not he's not an athlete. He was never an athlete. Well, he was a football. Was he a football player or basketball player? He did he he did something. I think at the college level, but he was never, you know, at his heaviest, he was never an active athlete. He's so, never done any weightlift, any competitive weightlifting. He's not like Mark Henry. You know, he's, he never, you know, he he wasn't an athlete when he was five tipping the scale of 500 pounds. Yeah. Um so let's let's get back to Yama then. So he was a. Um, do, do you wanna do you wanna uh, mention the the little um, quirk with his his uh, his both his shikona and his um, his uh, his nickname? You mean aside from the fact that his his name is supposed I, his name is supposed to be Yamamoto, I think, right? Yama. Yama. Oh yeah. Well, Yama means mountain. So yes. And <laughs> why he was getting. Yamamoto Yama was his his real name is Yamamoto, and then so he's you know the the the. And then yeah, they put the mountain at the end because of how big he was. And yes, yeah, so he tipped the scales at five hundred eighty four pounds, which is, you know, no one's really close to that. You know, in terms of, um, and uh, he was able yeah, to. Like, so isn't, he was. Isn't the average sumodi kishi nowadays at, to, like walking around at like you know, two, two something? Uh, no, they're they're walking around probably like three ten, three twenty. I mean, at some at one there was one point where these guys were were getting really big, 
And um, I think the average weight had been somewhere probably around 380. You know, that was there was a point where there was a lot of big guys. You know, easily they were getting up to 400 pounds for some of these guys. Really tall, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Yama, as he's now called, you know, he was the mountain. And uh, he was actually a, a collegiate um, champion also, collegiate sumo champion. And then he reached uh, the top division, so and he did win a couple of lower division championships uh, also. And then uh, after he retired, though, that's where he really kind of, you know, began his, um, you know, post his post-sumo career has been interesting because uh, what he did first was, uh, I, I guess he wasn't really content with staying in Japan, so he made some appearances, he would make some appearances on foreign television shows, you know, variety shows and stuff like that. And then uh, I guess his big break when it came to being over here was the fact that he appeared opposite Keanu Reeves um, as an assassin in John Wick 2, trying to take out John Wick and uh, even using some sumo moves uh, against uh, John Wick. You know, the, 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 the Tachiai, uh, Matthew. I don't know if you've seen that scene or not. Yeah. <laughs> so... That was that was interesting. Um, anyway, and you know he participate. He still keeps in, you know, in touch with sumo, obviously. So he's he serves as the head judge at the U.S. Sumo Open, and then he runs the Yama Dojo. You know, he helps people who want to learn about sumo out here. So, and uh, you know, they um i know that so you got yama dojo and then you got honu dojo which is down in san diego and um they'll have collaborative practices going too so yama pretty much knows everyone who you know comes around and then people who will come from out of state or come from out of country as you saw you know again we had people from there were individual competitors from like hungary uh new zealand australia um, and then Japan, and uh, Takeshi Amitani is actually his kohai uh, from his his collegiate sumo days, and uh, he was the one competing in the same weight class as I was in the middleweight. And uh, so you know, so Matthew, I think when you were watching the matches, what did you think about all that was going on? Um, the heavier weight guys looked like traditional sumo. Um, I, I didn't get a, a chance to stick around and watch the, um, the, what's it called? The, uh, the heavyweights because they just, they, because there were only six guys, they just put them in all in yeah. a bracket. Yeah. They put so, them on Robin. Wait, what? So because there were only six light heavyweights, they put them in a round Robin. For just, okay. Yeah. For the, for the final round. So they did round robins preliminary for the for the lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight, and then you know they they did a single elimination bracket for the the championship rounds for those weight classes. But in the case of light heavyweight, they just did a a round robin. Now I'm sorry, I I uh, I didn't stick around because I went and uh, did other stuff. But um, for heavyweight, how many guys were there? Heavyweight, there was, I think in total, there were 
13 had weighed in, but uh, one of them didn't show up. So in total, there were 12 uh, heavyweights that competed. So did they do... uh, So there were two groups of six? There were two groups of six, yep. And then they had the top four from each pool advance to the the final, the championship round. You know, I find it interesting how there were about as many heavyweights as there were lightweights, but there were less middleweights, and then, like I said, only six even, light, even less light heavyweights. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just find it interesting that that's how it went. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be honest. I, I, I watched a bunch of the, the. Um, maybe I need to just get more more practice in shape but you know i was i was watching how the guys were um how the guys did things um in the the lightweight division i'm just thinking i think i can beat these guys <laughs> yep that, that's why i'm gonna start my 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 practice my my path to the u.s open next year is is starting relatively soon and it, but Part of the, but a little bit of a problem I had, the friend of mine with whom I'm going to start practicing, um, he's shorter than me. Well, here's my suggestion to you, because I've been I've been doing this when I'm not going to. So, you know, I, I'll just I'll just go outside my 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 apartment and I'll do some exercises out there. And one of the things you definitely want to do is just just do the shiko. Uh, I, I did that I, last night. You did? Yeah, I did. How uh, many? In, in our living room. I usually, I, I find doing it outside is better because um, if I'm sweating, <laughs> and I was sweating, uh, I think, what was it, Sunday night I was doing doing the exercise. Man, I was I was just sweating. and. Well, you know. the, the problem is you need to get some kind of actual real world experience because it's like, because looking at these guys is one thing, but, you know, actually doing it is, is another. And, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, my, my friend is, is um, you know, my height, so I'll be able to get some experience with, you know, some guys who are, like, you know, a little bit shorter and who would be able to would be able to go in like that. But when it comes to, like, the taller, skinnier guys who I think made up most of the lightweights, I'm going to need to actually get some experience because here's here's – my here here would be my game plan with those taller guys basically basically go low do uh you know a wrestling style you know slap the arms that's, up and that's what yama's been telling me to do that's what yama's been telling me that's what takeshi's been telling me too it looked like you were trying to do that in your yeah. actual matches but, but those middleweight guys man they they were like you know they were very very um, yeah it it looked it, it looked built. like you would probably be able to do better with with the that's, yeah cuz so that's well, my goal yeah, because it, the lightweights are one of two things they're either shorter and stockier mm-hmm. or they're these these tall skinny guys and the tall skinny guys you like tell, don't okay, have so a lot of power Josh, Josh Crook who is one of the lightweights the, the really really tall white kid yeah you 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 saw him right? You did you say him fight? Yeah. I have problems with him because he's very long, 
I can get an uh, I can get an under him. I can get a uh, a Morozashi, but man, he's he's tough to maneuver around because of just how tall and lanky he is. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one, but well, my well, obviously I'm drawing from another experience, but my thought is, you know what? I dealt with these tall, skinny guys in wrestling all the time. <laughs> I, it's like, I don't know, just, yeah. I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, you know, I think I can, I, I'd be able to adjust that. But again, I need to go and get experience, and then as you said, you know, you, you know, um, those times when we come down there, maybe find the opportunity to, you know, go with you to the, the. Yamadojo practices, that would probably be the best way I'd be able to get that practice in. Unless, you know, when we become a little bit more active, we're able to find a guy who's, you know, a little bit taller who, you know, might be able to fit into that, um, you know, helping uh, me out in that regard. So, yeah, here's here's the uh, the first match. So I'm going to I'm going to screen share this is the First match I had, and uh, I was able to, you know, um, one of my teammates was able to record it. So let me just get this one here really quick. So can you, uh, let me see here. So can you, but, can you see this well, one? Another thing I'll say, I'm surprised again that this is the U.S. Sumo Open, and there's, you know, most most of the, over half the guys are not from the U.S., well, because so here's the thing: you've got the U.S. Sumo Open, but then you've got the U.S. National Championships, and that's for the that's base that's basically the the World Team Trials of U.S. Sumo. So this is yeah. Well, it I doesn't guess help that is, they it doesn't help that like last year or no earlier this year when they held it, it was in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, you know, I mean, and and they got they got tournaments and other places too i i hear i hear dallas is a big hub for for sumo yeah i i saw that yeah I, so anyway let's let me let, let's watch this first match really quick so this was ruslan and he was from he was actually from russia um anyway so i don't know if you can hear any of it right now but here's how it went so i tried to get in but yeah he just pulled up he didn't even try grabbing a hold of you. He just he just pushed you out. Yeah, yeah. It, it was well, you know, it was my first match, so you know, kind of maybe had a little bit of ring rust on there. Um, they didn't get the second match though, unfortunately, which was the one against uh, the bodybuilder. Wasn't that a tad bit more competitive? The uh, well, I think my last match in the open weight that was the the competitive one. But let me get you the one with the um. Oh. Oh, oh! This is cringeworthy. This is the the match. <laughs> oh. Didn't this guy win the tournament? Yes, he did win. He did win the middleweight. He, he faced the Kashyyyk. The final. Mm-hmm. Here's how it went. So I hear mom wasn't too happy. She was not. Yeah. She basically said that he you that he punched you and but you know from from wh- how, where I saw it I was just like nope he just went slap. Yeah it was and I'm looking at I can I can see it it was an open palm and I think he 
he got me, I think, right here on the on the temple. People are saying he got me here, but I really felt it up here. So, you know, I think when he when he got me, he was, you know, doing he he just did this. I didn't see it coming, but uh, anyway, so yeah, I was I was lying down on the <laughs> on the ground there for about. You were uh, there for a few minutes. Yeah, a few minutes, and uh, we, we thought you were legitimately knocked out. Uh, yeah, I was not knocked out, but I was in a, you know, excruciating pain with a, a big headache, and I'm trying to just re regain my my senses and stuff like that. Um, you know, so that was that was that one. And actually, I don't know if you were able to hear any audio um, coming through, but if you if you actually do listen to it, you can hear the slap. You can you can hear it pretty good, and a lot of people were telling me that they could hear it. So that was so that was the uh, the Egyptian knocking me out uh, there. I feel like if if it like it had to be that hard palm. Yes. Where yeah, where it, it that's had to have been what it did it. Mm-hmm. So this was and then here's the uh, the open weight match. This was against JJ, who is from the Hanu Dojo, uh, and. Uh, Wait, wasn't yeah. he wasn't he in lightweight? He was a lightweight, yes. So. Oh yeah, this is far more competitive. Oh, but he got it. He got a hold of the mall yeah, he, first. I feel like you would have done better if you'd actually grabbed a hold of the Mawashi first. It, well, it looked- I did. I did get a hold of the Mawashi, but then he he maneuvered and got in a better positioning. Yeah, he, he kind of got like to the side and just- yeah, he got to the side and stuff. I mean, overall, you know, I think this was this was a good learning uh, experience. Know, it was a good learning experience and stuff, and just kind of showing me where my limits are right now. And the fact of the matter is, you know, I mean, I think we both know that we're we're a little bit uh, out of it. And um, but you know, hey, this is something that's that's doable. Yeah, but yeah, but the yeah, but the thing is, uh, you know, it's like in order for you to be competitive, you need to drop like thirteen pounds because you weighed in at like two hundred. So when I when I stepped on the scale, then I closed and everything. So I I stepped on the scale. I was two oh nine. Um, I weighed myself. On Sunday, I think, and I was 206, so I've gained some pounds. I've been eating, uh, you know, a little bit of a Taco Bell, Del Taco, Jack in the Box, Carl's Jr. Well, like, I'm, so, I'm walking around at, like, 181, so I mean, I'm you still, there. You, you've, you've got that, yeah, you've got you got some wiggle room, but uh, you probably don't want to chance it. So my goal, my yeah, goal for next yeah, year. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not. My plan is not to gain any more weight. If anything, yeah. I'm probably gonna try to lose weight. Yeah. That, Too bad that, there isn't a weight category below that, but like ultra lightweight. <laughs> um. So, but you know, again, I I liked it, and you know, there was obviously the fun matches were the heavyweight matches. That was some pretty good ones, and uh, I think the brothers, the brothers had some good ones. Um, Gilberto and uh, Angel. Those are the guys up in, uh, you know, Bakersfield. That you're gonna give me my contact yep. info. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna well, give. You I don't know how that's gonna help me because two heavyweights. It's like that's still not the the body type that I I 
need to practice against. Uh huh. It's, it's like it's you know to me it's like I saw two body types. I, like I said, with lightweight, there's the shorter, stockier guys, and then there's the the tall, skinny guys. Mm-hmm. I need to find someone who I could you know practice against who's taller and skinnier because yeah, I need you, to, do, you do need to find a tall, skinny. Person. Yeah, because I I need to be able to get that experience going against yeah. someone. <laughs> Of that, that, and being able, hey. I know exactly what I have to do to be successful. Let's, hey, let's I, get that I know into exactly, this. I know exactly what I have to do in order to be successful against those guys, but I need the practice. Let's, let's get dad into this. <laughs> he was already, he was already saying that he didn't want to do that. Well, I guess doing some basic I, stuff. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I'm getting, that was, there, there was actually, I think there was one. There was a guy, I think, who was 50 years old in this thing. Oh, yeah, that's another thing we should mention is the fact – I'd say the average competitor in this tournament was in their 30s. Yeah. Yeah. They were. It, it was it – was, it was, yeah, it was pretty impressive that, you know, the enthusiasm is of, is of these, you know – Yeah, because we all want to get I, out there. I noticed that the – I noticed that the, like – the tallest plate, the the highest placing uh, heavyweight and open weight guy is also the the um, the the U.S. representative, uh, the the U.S. Um, uh, Talking about Jose, Jose, yeah, yeah, Jose Galindo, yeah. Wait, did you say Jose's one of the Bakersfield guys? No, that's Gilberto. Okay. Yeah, Gilberto and Angel are the brothers. They're known as the brothers? Yeah, that's that's what they're known as. They're the brothers. <laughs> well, we need to make a name for ourselves as well. Let's become the lightweight brothers. They're the heavyweight. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it was, it was good fun. Again, I really, you know, I enjoyed it for, you know, just kind of being there, being with everybody, and um, got some goals for next year, and really going to try and rock it, you know, and... Um, we both know what we got to do if we want to be competitive for next year. And, uh, yeah, you know, this is something that we could definitely get more into because aside from you, you know, losing, you know, well, you don't have to lose as much weight to be competitive. If we tried to do freestyle or Greco, we'd get massacred. Yeah. Because we're not at that training level, but then on top of that, in order to realistically be competitive, we would need to cut down to, and that doesn't mean we can't, uh- do some tournaments it just means that you know it's like we can't really expect the reality is we can't really expect to be competitive unless we unless we get in major shape and lose weight we're we're not really gonna be competitive this is another thing entirely we can be competitive at this yep i don't know if we'd ever make the world team but we could be competitive at this like at the like the U.S. Sumo Open is one of the top amateur sumo tournaments. We it do, is. Like, I mean, this is this is basically this is basically a world tournament. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's that's one thing that was being pointed out to me is you know it's like people are dumb. Don't feel don't feel so bad because you got people who some of these some of these, like Mohammed the Egyptian guy who won the middleweight. He he's a he's a medalist at the world championships. You know. So, yeah, there's the, yeah, the, the, it's I saw there were multiple world world medalists. Yeah. So uh, this tournament this tournament's not a it's not a joke, but I think for us to be competitive, we need to be in that lightweight. 
Yeah. So. Well, again, for me, it's not a big deal. I'm already, I'm already at lightweight. So I gotta, I gotta, I got some work to do. I got yeah. some work to do. So. All right, Matthew, are you ready? One Piece, chapter one thousand and fifty-nine. Here we go, Matthew. So, uh, it looks like Oda was giving us some background into some events that happened post uh, abolishment of the Shibukai system, and um, you know some post Wano events. You know, and it looks like uh, that uh, Yamato had, you know, and a lot of this ended up being flashbacks, it seems. Yamato did, you know, talk to, to Luffy. And, uh, you know, it, and it looked like in the end that Luffy was thinking that Yamato was going to join them, but, you know, he chose not to. And, uh, uh, but at the same time, I think the Yamato having to fight Rokugyu uh, convinced her to know that she needed to kind of stay and probably team up with with momo to try to defend uh wano so looks like she's she's got a seat at the table though for being a straw hat crew member so we'll see how that goes later on right um but i think the uh the exciting development that we had uh matthew i think was amazon lily right and uh, so Marines, you had Marines, Marines yep. charged Marines, the Marines were charging, but we had an unexpected enemy show up to Amazon Lily, and that was none other than the uh, the infamous Yonko that remains, and that was Blackbeard. And so, Matthew, what did what were we seeing? It, it looks like you know, Blackbeard, uh, I think. Boa Hancock was holding her own, obviously, with her with her devil fruit powers. Um, you know, she did manage to take out a lot of the Marines, and then she even took out some of uh, Blackbeard's uh, ten Titanic captains, which included uh, Katarina Devon. So, and like it's been pointed out before, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Uh, you know, in the case of Boa Hancock's beauty, uh, you're you're not immune to you know, just the uh, uh, the love being obviously. Well, let's 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 look at this from from a certain perspective. So, guys are obviously ninety nine percent of guys. Let's you know, just like talking in general, are attracted to women. Yeah. And if a woman is extremely beautiful, they're going to notice that. But women also have this tendency to notice and admire beauty. Even among each other. Mm-hmm. So based off of that, you know, it's it's not surprising that if you have a gorgeous, you know, woman, woman like Boa Hancock, then you know they're still gonna get caught. So, so, um, but it looks like, and it really looked like though. Obviously, the reason why Blackbeard was there be, was because of what he's been doing over the last two years. He's been capturing certain devil fruit users and absorbing their powers and making them use for you know members of his crew i mean we saw that with um what's that guy from uh from the thriller bark gecko moria well gecko moria tried to find uh one of his crewmates uh who had the invisible fruit 
and uh, but as it turns out, he was killed, and that that um, that devil fruit was given to one of Blackbeard's uh, crew members. Oh, he's got wait a minute. So Blackbeard has the power to not only take devil fruits but imbue them to somebody else. So I think it's really interesting. I don't know that they're actually doing that or if they're more or less because we both know how a devil fruit responds is that if the user of it dies and if there's a fruit nearby, then the spirit of that fruit inhabits, you know. So there. So what they could be doing is taking fruit users, killing them with a fruit nearby, mm-hmm. and then their crewmen eat that fruit. Mm-hmm. That would have to be the way that I would think that it's happening, unless there is actually a power of Blackbeard taking that and then somehow well, transferring. We, well, well, we know that he can absorb, and it's got to be because of the the what's it called fruit the um. It's got to be because of the powers of the the yami na, yami no mi, but mm-hmm. he we know that he can absorb powers and use them. He did that with with Whitebeard. So, but it, we don't know if he can only do that or if, like I said, he can absorb powers and redish 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 redistribute them. I don't know why I was having trouble with that word. Right. So, yeah, Shidu was the one who had the. Uh, he has the the invisible fruit, and for someone as lethal as Shidu, that's pretty dangerous. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's definitely you don't want uh, you know someone like him who has the skills. Absalom, Absalom was the uh, the guy from Thriller Bark. So we know for a fact that th- that Absalom is dead. Absalom is supposedly dead. Uh, well, we don't know if if it's possible to extract because hypothetically speaking, if um, right, it, hypothetically speaking, if um, if uh, if Blackbeard um, has that ability to absorb and then redistribute uh, mm-hmm. fruit powers, we don't know how that would do to a person. We don't know if it would be lethal, or we don't know if it would be if it would just leave someone vulnerable. Right. Um, speaking, have, of, speaking of Gecko Mora, we don't know what happened to him after he went to. No, to, we don't. So it's hard to say whether he's dead or alive or not. But uh, I'm sure. I'm sure that we'll find out. Now the the wiki. I wonder if. I wonder if he might be a tad bit appreciative of uh, Luffy's taking out um, Kaido, considering Kaido killed his crew. Hard to tell. Hard to tell. Uh, I feel like if they meet up again, he's going to say, I, I, he might say, I'm appreciative, but I'm still going to fight you. I don't, I don't think so. But anyway, so, uh, Blackbeard has Boa Hancock in his grip, you know, and... Uh, oh, you did, you did not mention Kobe is there. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, the Marines, Kobe... Well, Kobe was originally sent there, but um, anyway, Blackbeard's got Boa Hancock in his grasp, and, uh, you know, he's getting oh, ready Kobe to kill her. Kobe was not her. affected by Hancock's um, attack. Well, I think... Which took some, out a vice admiral. 
Hmm? Yes, that took out the attack. Took out a vice admiral, but I think he, I I think though he mentioned he was not entirely immune to it. It's just somehow he was able to deflect it somehow, some way. But the fact of the matter is, is that he he's going to take her out. But one thing that we learn now about the about her devil fruit is that the if someone is turned to stone and remains stone after she dies, the next user cannot reverse those effects. So, in, that, in essence, it would be fatal. Right. So, Blackbeard would love to be able to take out, you know, all the Marines that are there, but at the same time, he'd also be taking out his crewmates as well. Which is what made him hesitant, because even though he clearly does not have a, a place of value on human life, and ultimately. They're, um, you know, his crew members are um, expendable. They're still useful. Right. So he was just like, he was just like, you know what? You have a good point because if I kill you, then I'm not going to be able to use them again. So ooh, what do I do? And so as he's Kobe's, literally Kobe's holding her- trying his 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 best to try and, and keep Blackbeard from killing Hancock, too. So now... <laughs> We find out an interesting connection between Colby and Blackbeard. So, you know, we we saw in in the post time skip, uh, you know, in in stories that Colby was involved in a incident called the Rocky Port incident, and that somehow he became a hero of that incident. He's being called the new hero of the Marines, which is fitting considering who his mentor is. Yeah. The hero of the Marines. Yeah, Garp. So, and 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 it it kind of it kind of is a sh- an eerie repeat of history, Matthew. Don't you agree? Yes. Because we we know that Garp we, teamed we, up with with Roger uh, with <clears throat> Roger at uh, I think it was what? God, the God Valley incident. The God Valley. Again, we don't know a whole lot about. Right. Here, here they're talking about the Rocky Port incident. We don't know a whole lot about that. So Blackbeard and Colby ended up being allies and they took out Ochoku or Wang Z of the Rocks Pirates at Hachinosu Island. And that allowed Blackbeard to take over that island. Now, whether Wang Z is dead or not is another you know, is another story, but well, that's like that's like well, it, well, again, it's like saying it's like, you know, it's you're it's that same thing of of you know saying that, you know, uh, they you know the fate of uh, rocks was unknown at at God Valley. We just knew that know that the crew was dispersed, but the insinuation is that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Unless right. unless he's Eam. That that, that would be a word. Around, I can't. Right? I I can't see that. No, I I can't see that. Because if that was the case, then we'd be having some real chaos. And you got to remember, Rocks was trying to take out the World Nobles. You know, um, you know, one thing I'm wondering was Emon God Valley. Do 
Cause, well, because again, again, there's just so much we don't know about God. I feel like eventually we will find out. There's gonna be some oh, kind yes. of flashback. Oh yeah, and we're gonna find out. But well, we because... don't know a whole. We don't know a whole lot of God Valley. We know that um, we know it can't. So we know that it can't be Pluton. It can't be um, Neptune. It, or no, wait a minute. What's mm-hmm. what's what's the uh, uh, what? Yeah, yeah. It can't. It can't be Uran. It can't be uh, Uranus. It can't be Pluton because Uranus is is is. I don't know what incarnation it was at the time, but it definitely was is some in in the the um the royal the um right royal family of uh why am i drawing a blank on on oh fishman island it's on the royal family of fishman island pluton as we know was in was in um wano i was obviously undiscovered at the time right so again it's a question of maybe it was What's what's the third one that's unknown? Uh, in re- in regards to you talking the, about the the ancient weapons. Well, you got Uranus, you got Pluton, and then you got Shidahoshi, who's um the the third. Uh, gosh, man, I gotta I gotta look this up now. I thought Shidahoshi was Uranus. Uh. She is no, she's Poseidon. Oh yeah, she's Poseidon. So yeah, so it's what were they going for Pluton, and is that where God Valley is, or what? What God? Wait, yeah. So basically, in order, so basically, what it wasn't the fact that the world nobles were on the island; it was for the greater good. Garp and Roger, who have no love for the world nobles, they think they're despicable, even though Garp you know, as a Marine, um, were they teaming up to try to prevent rocks from maybe getting Pluton? From from doing a global or, catastrophe. Yeah. Well, but that, Pluton that, that is on Wano, and Wano was not... Remember, Uranus, God Valley Uranus. is missing. Uranus. I meant Uranus. Yeah. So... Yeah, it probably maybe Uranus was on the island, but then it disappeared because there's just there's some something was there. So it wasn't they weren't just fight. They were not just fighting for the world nobles because these are two guys who could care less about the world nobles. They're just like they're just like whatever. So like it now. So so yeah, two D's. I don't think two D's would fight on an island with the world with world nobles. There had to have been something else. They were fighting. They were fighting rocks for some other reason. So yeah. So now, now it's so yeah. Kobe and and Blackbeard seem to have teamed up at Hachinosu, and that's how. Which, which again makes me think they might have been fighting for something else. It wasn't just um. There was some. There was something else th- there. So anyway, we so. And then also what was interesting was that um, new pacifistas are showing up, and they're called the Seraphim. And um, what's funny about this, and this makes me wonder that they might have... Because they have wings. 
Right, they have wings, but like um, the, at least like the wiki the, uh, is saying that. What's, what's king's a race? King King is a lunarian. They, yeah, they have wings similar to lunarians. Right, and so these these seraphim. So at least according to the wiki, they they um, they resemble Boa Hancock and Mihawk, which is interesting. So well, yeah, if, if you look at that young picture of uh, Mihawk that Oda yeah. drew, right, uh, many many moons ago, right, it looks like a young Mihawk, right. So that kind of gives us some perspective of, you know, Mayhawk may have some more deep connections to world government than we would have previously assumed. I- I think what happened, the these um, so we know that Bartholomew Q, uh, was the prototype of the pacifista, mm-hmm. and all the uh, first generation pacifista look like him. Mm-hmm. The next step was possibly um, I don't think these I don't think these are straight up cyborgs. I think these might be clones. That I think could be a possibility. There, now there was, I can see there was can, some kind of hybrid cloning, um, and like other process to make the seraphim and imbue them with the power. Now and, I can. Oh, oh, that's that's that is why um, Vegapunk considered the Devil Fruit that. Um, Momo ate a failure. Mm-hmm. He 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 got he got Kaido's power when Kaido was in captivity, mm. and put it into a devil fruit that did not completely replicate his power. That is why he considered it a failure. But he has perfected it and has imbued the the seraphim with this, mm. which are pacifista. This this has to be the answer. He's come up with the perfect soldiers. Well, yeah, I mean, they're they're supposed to replace the Shibukai. Now I can see why I, I, I can see why Boa Hancock would come up because she was in captivity. Right? I, do, do, does does the current members of the world government know this? I don't know that they would know it, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we do know that she and her sisters were experimented on, tortured, you know, whatever. And I can see in some way that maybe somehow, you know, maybe the world, uh, you know, hey, maybe Vegapunk was an assistant to a world noble. Now, you're, you're right. The Marines wouldn't have known that she was captive, but... The fact of the matter was was that she was a slave to the world nobles. And my my theory would then be is that Vegapunk somehow was an assistant or maybe, you know, um, maybe he was brought to Marijua by the Gorose for something. Because I can't imagine that, you know, the Gorose definitely know about Vegapunk. Maybe they invited him to Marijua and, you know... Maybe, you know, this, maybe this thing was in development for longer than we had thought. Again, though, the question is, 
what is Mihawk's connection to all this? You know, I don't, I don't think that um, the, I don't think that the Shibukai uh, all necessarily volunteered for this. I think that maybe Mihawk's DNA was extracted in other ways. Possibly. That's 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 my guess. I don't. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would volunteer for something like that. No. Especially Probably. with his power, because. Mm-hmm. Because Boa Hancock was affected by her captivity in ways that she's not recovered from. And we still have yet to see what um, those experiments, even though Kuma seems to have regained his faculties, we haven't seen the full extent of those experiments. So I don't think Mihawk would have been a a, a A willing participant. A willing participant. No, and it's like good not. luck getting good luck getting him to the marine hunter, the man who uh, you know, the greatest swordsman in the world, the man who escaped um to join up with uh crocodile and uh, buggy. Getting through uh, yeah, this was probably a breeze for him. Yeah, this is something this is this is raising some questions and it's something that we'll have to be finding out about. You know a really twisted um, theory I heard of is that the the seraphim may not be confined to um, may not be confined to just um, just those two just the shibukai just the class any of the shibukai it might have um, um, being a captive might have been easier to extract power and DNA. Um, a twisted theory I heard is that there might be an ace seraphim. And that Luffy could, like, if he was confronted with an ace seraphim, he would, like, I don't know if he'd crack, I don't know if he'd go berserk, but it would be like, it would be like demoralizing to see someone that, that is- modeled after your sworn brother that is an interesting theory. That- Honestly, even with the new Seraphim, I think that the um because we've we've seen that the monster trio can take out the classic past Fisas. Mm-hmm. I think they'd still be at a level where they'd be able to take on the, the Seraphim. Right. We'll have to see. Um let's uh we're getting towards the end here, Matthew. Uh New bounties. Oh, we didn't finish up about about what happened on uh, on. Um... Well, basically, I mean, it, oh yes, that's right. Well, before we get to the bounties, but yes, let's. Um, how did how did Boa Hancock get saved? And that really came down. <coughs> oh, excuse me. It came down to Silver's Rayleigh. I really, I really love the insult that he threw at, um, at Blackbeard. He said, he said, who do you think you're facing off? It's like, who do you think you're, you're dealing with? Cabin boy of. Yeah, of the white beard. Yeah, yeah, cabin boy of white beard. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, that's how, you know, that's how that, uh, you know, Silver's Rayleigh once again saving Boa Hancock. 
But then uh, and, admitting later on that he bluffed because he probably wouldn't have been able to take on Teach. Right. So anyway, we did find out the new bounties for Boa Hancock, and there's a new bounty for Blackbeard. So Boa Hancock, her bounty is doubled now from $81 million to uh, $1,659,000,000. Well, $81 million was the, the um, Frozen... Right, that was the frozen bounty. Um, now, in the case of Blackbeard, it uh, looks like I think he'd been doing some stuff, you know, because why all of a sudden would, you know, you had the alliance happen between Kaido and Big Mom, and then they, they showed him with his $2 billion bounty, but now he's at $3.996 billion berries. So he must have been doing stuff right before they decided to raise his bounty. Or I'm wondering if the fact that because of all the stuff that's been happening, they decided that they wanted his bounty to be higher than Luffy. You know, so he's almost at $4 billion, uh, alongside, you know, with Shanks. Because now Shanks officially has the highest bounty, the highest active bounty. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Something else is that um, we found out... Uh, Shaki. Yes, we found out a little bit about Shakuyaku's past because she accompanied Rayleigh to Amazon Lily. So um, we know that there were, uh, you know, we know that past empresses have either died because they got the love sickness and they decided not to act on it because they fell in love with a man. And um, but we saw that Gloriosa, uh, who was a previous empress, she left the island and went after the love of her life, and that's how she survived the sickness. Boa Hancock, you know, went with Luffy, and even though she didn't get together with him, she still holds those feelings for him, as we saw in that chapter. Uh, she was still, you know, pondering about him, so uh, she still got the feelings, but... Why she, do I get a feeling that she might leverage that and say, unless, you know, we get together you know, I'll die, and then, of course, Luffy will be like, well, I can't let that happen. <laughs> be like a uh, almost a Goku and Chi-Chi moment? Yeah, something like well, that. Well, of course, Goku and Chi-Chi was a, bit, a little bit of a different story because, you know, uh, I think Chi-Chi asked Goku if, if he would marry her, and he thought marriage was food at the time because he was really young, and so he said yes. And then, you know... He went off and did his training and stuff like that, and then he never came back for her. So then she challenged him at the Budokai, and um, he finally found out what it was, But and he kept his word, and he married Chi-Chi. And then we had Gohan and Goten. So that was, uh, you know, that was that. But, yeah, I don't know. You know, there, uh, a lot of people ship. They, they will still ship Luffy and Hancock, and, of course, you know, Oda says there's no, there's no, not really any romance for, and I really think he means there's not really any romance for the main characters in One Piece because we did see um, Sai and Baby Five get together, and then we've seen other couples, you know, there have been other couples that have turned up in One Piece, but it's just, I think, with the main characters, he's not going to do that. But Maybe we'll see that. You know, maybe we could see that with him. I feel, well, maybe he doesn't mean, like, just normal happy ending romance. But I feel like 
I I feel like Ro, uh, Luffy's connection with Roger is going to be a little bit more. It it's it might deepen and have like a parallel. Mm. I yeah, feel we'll like. See. So with that being said, Matthew, Shakuyaku, it has been revealed she was the Empress after Gloriosa, and that was two generations before Boa Hancock. So obviously. She ended up getting love sickness, and it's now the funny thing, you know. She is supposed to, she's coupled with Rayleigh. That's how that goes. Now, the wiki says that they're married. Um, you know, the translations have ha, are have implied that you know she's calling him her husband. Now, the funny thing is that it's all heavily implied. There's actually no 100% confirmation that they are actually a married couple. Now, with that being said, though, I think that, yes, she, they, are the, they are domestic partners because I think that it was, it was Rayleigh that Shakuyaku fell in love with, you know, to escape her lovesickness. Obviously. Now, here's... Everything hints towards that. Now, again, something, I, something I've something i been interested in, because I, I still hold to this theory, it, it, it hasn't been proven false, and it's not, it's not proven true either. The, the, the theory of Mihawk being Shakuyaku and Rayleigh's son. It's an interesting theory because, um, and one of like one of the things that was brought up was kind of his, uh, you know, the way his his hair is is that it it bears some similarities like to Shakuyaku in a way, like the the sideburns and stuff. Uh, the other thing might have been that you know he wears the coat that Mihawk wears is it's got similar designs to the shirt and the coat that Rayleigh would wear when he was on the Roger Pirates. And then there was the instance of, remember when um, Oden and um, Toki were on the Roger Pirates crew, and then, you know, Momo was born, and uh, and uh, Hiyori was, you know, on the ship also. And uh, there, was a, there was a line that Rayleigh said where he said, oh, I haven't, I haven't held a baby in a long time. And you got to remember that at that point, Ace wasn't born yet. So, well, how old would uh, how old would um, what's his name, um, Mihawk theoretically be at that point? So let me see here. I don't remember. I, I can't remember how long. Well, the the that Shanks are about the same age, right? Ian Shanks are, yes, they're about the same age. So he would have um, been around Shanks' age, and Shanks was, what, about 10 at the time? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. Now, if we go back, so Mihawk is... Um, Mihawk, in the current timeline, he's 43. Um, Shakuyaku is 64. 
And Very good-looking 64-year-old. What? Very good-looking 64-year-old. <laughs> and then Rayleigh is 78. So, you know, there's there's quite a difference in age between Shakuyaku and uh, Rayleigh. You know, that's a that's a 14-year difference. But it, if Shakuyaku was Mihawk's mother, she would have been 21 at the time that he was born. So not unusual. It wouldn't be completely unusual, no. So, timeline, timeline, it is plausible. It is plausible. Whether or not it's a reality, don't know. But anyway, so Shakuyaku is from Amazon Lily, and she was an empress. And uh, what was your reaction to that when, when, you, when you saw that, that, you know, text box? I was like, oh, okay. But I was I was not really someone who was like really invested in that theory. But it would also explain like Ama, um like why Amazon Lily has uh especially Boa Hancock has more of respect to um uh what's his name? Um Rayleigh. Rayleigh than uh, than the average man without any specific connection. Right. So, um, yeah, because I think I'd heard that theory before that that Chakuyaku was an empress, and uh, so like when I when I saw that I was like, oh, it was true. <laughs> anyway. Well. Well, in the meantime, we have, uh, um, what's it called? Um, you forgot to mention the most important thing. Kobe was taken prisoner by Blackbeard. Yes. So, that's a weird one. Uh, here is my theory. There's one of two ways in which this is going to happen. Um, Kobe, uh, Blackbeard is going to take Kobe to Cross Guild and cash in on his bounty. Okay. And there's a number of different ways that that could progress from there. Mm-hmm. From Luffy going there and demanding Kobe back to Luffy straight up fighting Cross Guild to a Cross Guild red uh, red haired pirates alliance to fight Luffy coming for Kobe, and that's that's all that area. Mm-hmm. That's all, you know, cr- uh, cashing in Kobe's bounty with Cross Guild or Blackbeard is not going to cash in Kobe. He's got him, and um, that's what's going to trigger the battle between the Straw Hats, possibly the Grand Fleet, and the Blackbeard Pirates. Mm-hmm. Possibly with some alliances in there. Yeah. We'll have to see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, um, I think there is a holiday, oh. so I think... Oh. It so, something off. else that was... Um, and this specifically came up because, again, I watched Grand Line Review. But um, something that Grand Line Review brought up recently was the fact that um, the original Shibukai if you think about it, was like this interim generation in between 
the rocks garp uh goal uh roger generation and the original supernova generation mm-hmm. the interim generation you would also include like shanks and uh blackbeard in there mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of interesting that here is cross guild made up of that interim generation if you include buggy yeah Now, uh, the the video I saw included him, uh, you know, possibly getting um, what's his name, um, Dolph Flamingo, like breaking in the impel down and breaking him out. But I, you know, that's in, that's, that's looking too that's looking too far ahead. I'm not sure. Yeah, that, uh, that is. I'm I'm very sure though. Dolph Flamingo is probably going to have something to do with the final war. He probably he probably might get out. He probably will get out of impel down. He probably will participate in that final. Well, war. here here's the question: Is he gonna break out or is he gonna be let out? Because again, he's still got that. Um, even it. though he's even though he's not he's not public anymore, he's still got that knowledge from the world nobles where they couldn't just kill him. Well, and they want him dead too. Because remember, they tried to send an assassin after him. Yeah. So. All right, Matthew. Well, we're going to wrap this up here. And uh, as always, thanks for your insight on things. So, Matthew, where can our 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 um, our listeners and our our audience, where can they find us? Well, let's see. Our uh, video podcasts are on YouTube and Rumble. Our audio podcast is on Acast, Google Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and um we are on twitter and also um we're still trying to work out some technical issues but we are working on getting the podcast on a regular weekly basis onto micronational radio and uh we would get the back uh our our backlog uh catalog would be in syndication uh there as well um of note i i'm still working on the the technical details but Acast recently did some improvements, and we will be able to reach other um, uh, platforms soon. So, uh, to be added. All right. Matthew, uh, on his uh, channels, uh, you can find him on his own personal YouTube, at, uh, which is Matthew Salzer. Which, at and- the very latest, I will start posting videos for Halloween. I am I am working to um, – I always try to make something big on Halloween. Haven't been able to do a whole lot this year. I'm still working on our Hawaii trip, but, you know, we, it's definitely something's coming up for Halloween. Uh, that's – at minimum, I'll be able to do that. He's also on Twitter, at Matthew Salzer. And uh, he also runs the site MMA Freak, so you can find him uh, on the website uh, MMA-Freak.com, and then also uh, you can follow their Twitter, which is uh, at MMA Freakout. So Matthew, once again, thank you as and always. Then, and then, like I said, I'm looking to start the Sequoia Sumo Club. Yeah, so. that'll, that'll be an interesting one. Yep. So uh, again, we got lots, lots of coming up. And Matthew, I've been seeing that the World Championships for UWW wrestling is going on right now. So that's one thing that we're definitely going to be covering uh, for next week's episode. And the new 
uh, chapter for One Piece. So, as always, to our audience, uh, thank you for watching and listening, and uh, we will talk to you soon.